Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to the June 2013 CTSS quiz. These are six terrific cases, and I hope you enjoyed looking at them, and let's discuss them. In this first case, I told you the patient has a history of synovial sarcoma, which is a very aggressive malignancy, and I asked what the key small bowel finding is, and I really did like this case. Obviously, this patient has extensive disease. You could see the uh, liver metastasis, but look at the small bowel. It's dilated. So you could think about dilated small bowel. That indeed is true. There's really no internal hernia here, and I don't see an interception. But look at those small vascular one centimeter nodules in the ileum. There's at least two or three nodules present. This was metastatic disease. CT enterography is really good. Use IV contrast, use 3D reconstructions. This was volume rendering and a beautiful look at metastasis to the bowel wall. Very nicely shown in this example. This is an important case, and I've seen, literally I worked this weekend, I saw a number of cases just like this. The patient has joined this in the first order's pancreatic cancer. Then you get a scan, and the first image on the left, what you see is the dilated ducts, but it's mainly left-sided ductal dilatation. And there really is an infiltrating process in the hilum of the liver, which also involves the left portal vein. You can see it a bit more as you get to the second image. And at first glance, you may think maybe this could be a pancreatic cancer growing upward. Of course, I could give you more images and the pancreas look normal. What you're really seeing here is tumor in the porta encasing venous and arterial structures, obstructing ducts. Often the ductal obstruction is asymmetric. Often, as in this case, there are perfusion changes in the left lobe of the liver, and the left lobe of the liver is beginning to atrophy. This is not hepatoma. Hepatoma, you rarely see duct dilatations. As I mentioned, this is not pancreatic cancer. The epicenter is too high. And lymphoma would be incredibly unusual, and lymphoma tends to have softer nodes which don't obstruct. This is a classic example for a cholangiocarcinoma. Beautiful case. Sometimes cholangiocarcinomas have some vascularity, but in the essential cholangiocarcinomas, that typically is not the case. This is a nice example. This patient was hit by an auto, and we did a CT because the patient was having pain in the leg. And what you can look at, if you look at the left, you see the normal SFA, the normal iliacs. But on the right, you'll notice the SFA looks good to the mid-portion of the thigh, and then it kind of disappears and then reconstitutes. So one thought, of course, is you can have occluded SFA, but then you might not expect to see the vessel distally. Poor injection technique would not explain this appearance, obviously. And laceration, you would expect to see contrast extravasation. This is a very nice example of spasm in the superficial femoral artery due to trauma. This patient was pinned by a car against her leg and had literally trauma. Now, the one differential diagnosis that can be tricky is you can potentially think, could the patient have a hematoma? with a dissection of the vessel and the hematoma being the wall and the vessel compressed. And that's something to think about, but this appearance is very nice for spasm in the vessel, and this was indeed the case. I always like to bring up an oldie but goodie every once in a while, arterial phase imaging, vascular lesion, not as bright as the aorta, bright like the cava, feeding vessel going centrally. This is not a hepatoma. Hepatomas are, of course, 
80% of vascular, but not that homogeneous appearance with a central scar. It's not an AV malformation. That would be much more vascular. And hepatic adenoma tends not to have this nice homogeneous appearance. This is very classic for focal nodular hyperplasia. More common females, the lesions can be large and they can be multiple. This is a nice solitary lesion example. This is a great case, and we hardly ever see these. If you look at the first image on your left, the arterial phase imaging, there appears to be a mass in the right lobe of the liver, and you can come up with all sorts of differential diagnosis from primary tumor like hepatoma to hepatic adenoma to even FNH. It's a funny-looking mass. But then look at the second image, which is the venous image, and on that image, what you actually do see is that uh, it's a vascular lesion and it really is the portal vein. And this is a wonderful example of a portal vein aneurysm. Portal vein aneurysms are fairly uncommon. They can be due to trauma. When they're smaller, they're observed. When they're larger, they will be resected. Just a very, very nice example. Now, in this case, you see a large fluid collection adjacent to the patient's right rectus muscle. The key to this is what are those white dots? Well, that's a catheter. Now, if I showed you all of the images, you would see that the patient had a VP shunt, but unfortunately, the VP shunt was in the subcutaneous tissues and not any longer in the abdomen. And so although an abscess or hematoma, lymphocele are all considerations for cystic fluid lesions, that catheter puts you in the shuntoma category or abdominal CFF pseudocyst. Just a very nice example. Again, if you had all the images, it would be a little bit easier. Shuntomas can occur in the soft tissues like this. They typically occur more intra-abdominally and can be confused with abscesses. Again, typically patients with VP shunts. Very nice example. Now, if you look at this case, you see the patient has aortic valve replacement, and there are multiple filling defects around the valve. Now, what could this be? Uh, could it be the valve failing? Well, it's a possibility, and the valve indeed was probably failing, and that's more likely to develop thrombi if the valve is not moving correctly. Uh, it's not a flow-related change. You don't see flow-related changes as these nice, well-defined defects, and in a sense, it's not really a blood clot and the patient has no known tumor. Classically, low-density structures on the valve are going to be thrombi, and this is a beautiful example of thrombus on the valve leaflets of this aortic valve replacement. This is a nice case, and I like to show you these every once in a while. The patient has uh, enlarged kidneys, his perirenal stranding, and induration. This is a classic case. You could think about lymphoma. That's a possibility. You could think about polynephritis, but the stranding around the kidney is a bitch much. Retroperitoneal fibrosis usually is around the aorta. It could extend toward the kidneys, but not quite like this. But this case, the perirenal space involvement, the enlarged kidneys, the perirenal space involvement, you got to be thinking about Ehrenheim-Chester disease. And I discuss this further. When you look at the answers, there's more information regarding Ehrenheim-Chester disease. A very unusual case, but we saw this case just the other week, so it does happen. Now, this is a very important case. This patient several weeks post-distal pancreatectomy and splenectomy, now it's left up a quadrant pain. And when you look at this quickly, the first thing you think about, perhaps, this is an abscess. Fluid collection near the surgical bed, abscess is something I always think about, and you can think about a hematoma as well. 
You also can think about a pseudocyst from the uh, pancreatic remnant at the margin. There's a leak. But here you see a soft tissue amorphous density. And I'll tell you, this, this persisted for a bit. And this is a classic appearance of a mental infarction. A mental infarcts are typically low density, close to fat density, occur more on the right side than on the left side. They typically relate to the um, transverse colon, but they can occur almost anywhere. And this is a very nice example of an mental infarct following pancreatic surgery. I like this case. The key finding is look at the stomach. Now, if you think this is due to lack of distension, that is still the world's thickest stomach. And on the coronal view, you see vessels in the wall, so you know it's not due to lack of distension. Could it be lymphoma? That's a possibility. Could it be miniaturized disease? Huge gastric folds, that's a possibility. Could it be Zollinger-Ellison? You get huge folds, particularly in the fundus and Zollinger-Ellison syndrome. This, in fact, was Zollinger-Ellison syndrome. If I asked you for the best answer, hopefully I would have showed you a mass in or near the pancreas. But what this is not is an under-distended stomach. I think at times it is a challenge to distinguish between under-distended stomach and gastric pathology, which is why we have our techs always give an extra cup of contrast when the patient is getting on the table. But sometimes it can be difficult. This case is not very difficult. Look at the enhancement within the wall. Beautiful example of Zollinger-Ellison syndrome. And the least likely diagnosis is an under-distended stomach. Well, those are 10 cases. I hope you enjoyed each of the cases. And... Hope you got them right, or hopefully you learned something new from these cases. And with that, have a great week.